At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. I know it's if you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. What's up, Wes? Hey, Steve. There's a little, little traffic jam on the way over here. I apologize. Oh, that's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's, good. Man, it's, it's, it's a black event. You could be late. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we're here. We're here at the... going to start on time. <laughs> we're here at the, the live recording of the Cut To It podcast. We're here on site at the Steve Smith Family Foundation Tee Up for Health event. Uh, super excited. We've got backstage Joe, myself, Gerard, Steve Smith Sr., and now we've got... Um, Legendary Wesley Walls, native of Batesville, Mississippi, attended Ole Miss University, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, played uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, the New Orleans Saints, before signing with the Carolina Panthers, and later played with the Green Bay Packers. And he was inducted into the Panthers Hall of Fame in 2019, along with Jake DeLone, Jordan Gross, and Steve Smith Sr. So Wesley Walls, welcome to the Cut To It podcast. Thank you, Gerard. I appreciate that. 2019, just hearing that 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 number so it feels like it's been about three or four years ago. Yeah, that was about six years ago. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? I know it, man. Time, well, time stood still, I guess, here for the last couple of years. But that was a great day. I've got a picture. I just want to brag on Steve here a little bit. I got a picture on my computer screen. All four of us out there about to be recognized in front of the home uh, team, and me reaching across uh, Jordan and Jake. To shake Steve Smith's hand, uh, to to my mind, the greatest uh, player ever to wear the Carolina Panthers jersey. Uh, he was fun to watch. As as an old guy, I was. I mean, this is 2001 when we drafted you, right? Is that your first year? That was my first year. That was one of my last years. Uh, and 
I just remember watching Steve in practice, and I'm like, man, this guy is—he's mad. He is angry, and uh, <laughs> but he was such a competitor. And we go—I'm I'm coming off an ACL injury, and I'm just trying to get ready to play. I don't think I even practiced early, and, and no, nope, y'all didn't. <laughs> and Steve was, and he was—he was showing out, and. We go up to Minnesota, and I'm sure this has been talked about already probably, but the first time he touches the ball, we get the ball, and uh, we kick off. they kick off to us, and Steve takes it back for a touchdown. And uh, that that was probably the only touch. No, we won that game, right? That we, was the only game we won. And then, and then, y'all got the, and then the, they ran a Boston on y'all after that. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, too, that was uh, 9-11 yeah. as well. So that was, that was, that was really weird. Um, it's funny, though. Because I remember, there's some cool stories in that. I remember in that practice, that was when Coach Seifert was there. Take us through your unique relationship with Coach Seifert because I remember you telling me a story about Coach Seifert. Well, I, I got I got drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. Bill Walsh was just retiring, and uh, George Seifert was the new coach. And uh, and then that during that year. Uh, I was a project. I was a defensive end linebacker at Ole Miss. Only played tight end one year. It was my senior year in college, and and did okay. I made, uh, you know, had a good year. So they told me I was going to come in hold a few on, plays. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> you played defensive end, linebacker, yeah. and then they just randomly switched you to tight end. You played yeah. for one year. One year. My my senior year, the junior year spring practice. I'm out. Throwing the football with a quarterback who's my roommate, John Darnell, and that we everyone had gotten fired. We had a new offensive coordinator, a new defense, defensive coordinator, and the offensive coordinator came up to me and said, "Hey, hey, have you ever played tight end?" And I said, "Yeah, I played one time in the Mississippi High School All Star game. The tight end got hurt, and they asked me to play." And I said, "John was a quarterback, and Coach Parker, Red Parker's his name. He looked over to John. He said, "Well, how'd he do?" And John said, "I think he caught seven for ninety-seven and a touchdown." And Red Parker said. Give me two weeks, I can put you in the NFL. So next two weeks of spring wow. practice, I practiced at tight end. Wow. Made a first-team AP All-American my senior year. So he was right. Damn! <laughs> in other words, you were right. Red Parker is an old-school name. That's man. a man you don't mess with. It sounds like a man you. that knows yeah. some football. Absolutely. If your name's Red Parker, you don't get messed with. No, I'm just he, you. he came from Clemson, uh, and, and he changed my life. I mean, that guy, he's passed away about five years ago. But that just tells you, I mean, just things, something like that, uh, uh, just throwing a ball with your old quarterback and somebody seeing you and moving you over to tight end and uh, end up going, get to play with guys like this for 15 years. It was awesome. So you get drafted by the San Francisco 49ers in what? In, in, in 89. No, no, no. Uh, um, what round? Oh, second round. Second I was, round. I was the last pick in the second round. And, mm, shucks. And I, I know. <laughs> Such hard times. <laughs> I made $150,000 my first year, Steve, and that, that was, uh, you know, that was a long time ago. But well, I got drafted. At my um, mine was 120. Was it really? thousand? So you were third, third, right? Yep. Yeah, man. So it didn't. It didn't. I, I wasn't. I wasn't past you that far. <laughs> it's, it started. It's, it's picked up a lot since yeah, those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, but just saying that, just kind of showing it, just kind of putting it. You know, together it's, that that's crazy. Yeah. So is. you get drafted in the second round. They happen to have this other tight end named Brett Jones. Brent Jones. He's pretty darn good. He was good. He could catch, and and I was having a little trouble uh, jumping outside, doing all the rookie stuff. Yeah. So excited! I just never could slow the game down to about 
my third or fourth year. Hmm. It was just too fast for me. Okay. But one comparison, George Seaford, we had, I don't know if you guys remember the earthquake out in San Francisco. It was, I do. It was a horrible earthquake, 8.2. Mm-hmm. A lot of people died. That's where they, the, the freeway had split. That's the right. Golden State Bridge had uh, actually. It, it did. It fell on top of each yes, other sir. or something yep. over yep. there. The Bay Bridge or whatever bridge. It, yeah, the Bay Bridge. The, the, the lower and the upper level. Uh, my mom, uh, we were going, I was going to McKinley Avenue School on 79th in Avalon. And we were in a brown Oldsmobile. I remember it shook. And after it shook, my mom said, take your ass back in the house. We're not going nowhere. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how country I am. I, my roommate was from Tennessee. And the first thing we thought, something had crashed into the apartment complex and then realized it was an earthquake. And we went right for the TV and the speakers. We held on to those things the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> we just got them, man. But, but George Seaford, I mean, this was like on a Monday. This happened, and the Tuesday was an off day anyway. Mm-hmm. And that, that son of a gun brought us in, man, on Wednesday, and we practiced. And, uh, you know, when he said, we're going to play, the NFL is, is going to play this game. And we had a home game, and they moved the game over to Stanford, and we played in Stanford. And that was, uh, in fact, that was the only touchdown I ever caught in my 49er career at, mm-hmm. that, in Stanford State. I never caught one in Candlestick unless I was playing against them, which is a lot better mm. over the years. So so you get drafted in 89. You play three or four years, 1995, 1996, the, the 95 or 94 expansion draft goes, and what happens? Well, I played five. We won the Super Bowl my rookie year. That was pretty cool. Uh, Joe Montana and those guys, Jerry Rice, Charles Haley, John Taylor, you know what kind of team they had. Yeah. I just couldn't break in. And, and, and in 94, I became a free agent, and they didn't want to sign me back. And the only team looking for uh, a long snapper was the New Orleans Saints. And I had learned how to long snap when I was in San Fran. Never snapped a game in college, but I learned how to do it in San Fran. So the Saints, they gave me a two-year contract loaded with a bunch of incentives. I call as a, a left snapper. As a snapper. Okay, hold on, hold on. So we, we're, we're a linebacker and we're a defensive end. And now we're a tight end. You stumble in the tight end and now you're a long snapper. And now we're a long snapper. A long snapper. Okay, I'm just clearing yeah. that up. Hey, look, I was a little. Opportunity. I don't know. Right. Goodness <laughs> gracious. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a, uh, I don't know, I'm a, a grinder, I guess, you know. But um, anyway, I'm long snapping. I go to the first mini camp. Jim Moore was a coach. And he says, what happened in San Fran? He's senior. A, Jim Moore senior. Senior. And, and. Uh, I just said, hey, I couldn't, I didn't stay very healthy. And when I did play, I didn't play very well. And he says, well, you, you practice and you keep practicing like this and playing, and we'll give you a chance. So 11 passes in five seasons in uh, in San Fran. I caught like 98 the next two years wow. with the Saints. And that's wow. that's when the Panthers called. And who was the head coach at uh, that time? Dom Capers. Okay. Dom Capers. Dom Capers is the coach. You owner, you, you know, they bring you out here. You sign, yeah. feeling good about yourself. Mm-hmm. You sign for more than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> it was a lot better, right? Uh, and then Don Capers gets he gets fired. He gets fired. Yeah, that 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 we went on in '96, and and these are the years. Uh, I was in high school. You were in high school, and, and a lot of you guys, I can see, ladies are out, were in high school also. But we went to the NFC Championship game. We got beat by Green Bay up mm-hmm. there. Had a great year. The, Kerry Collins was a quarterback for a couple years. That's when you were doing the guitar. 
I was whenever, doing a, whenever you scored. It was it was more like the spike, cool. and it, it started as a. Um, I was we're playing the Falcons, and I pretended like the ball was a bird, right? And I just got out of my knee, and I pump shotgun the thing. The media took it as a, hey, it's the first time anybody put me on TV anyway. So look at that Walls guy. He's playing a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, man. Whatever you want to call it. That's what they said. That's what he did. Because I'm from Tupelo, Mississippi. I grew up next to Tupelo where Elvis Presley's from. They said, look, he's going back to his roots playing Elvis Presley guitar. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That just lets you know half these announcers don't know nothing. <laughs> Morons. Especially ones for, like, preseason. A couple of yeah. lines. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. But no, that wow. that uh that was a great day and and great season. And then Kerry Kerry left. Steve Berline stepped in. I think one of the things that got Coach Capers fired where we couldn't win was he made a trade for Sean Gilbert. Now he, Sean may be here, and I love the guy to he death. Won't. But he, I mean, he, he gave up the farm for Sean Gilbert. Yeah. I mean, Sean has set out a year before that. He traded like two first round picks, some guys on the team. And uh, we just we never could catch up after that, and, they, yep. and that's when they fired him and hired Coach Seifert. So they hired Coach Seifert, and what goes through your mind? I put a for sale sign in my front yard. Damn! <laughs> I was like, this guy hates me, right? And uh, and so we he kind of came over and tried to not make up, just say, hey, I can't believe the career you've been having. You looking forward to this season and all that, and whatever, uh, you know, <laughs> you know the coaches. But when this when nine eleven hit. Um, I knew that summer was going to make us practice, uh, and he thought we were going to play. Yep. And he didn't care. He did not care. So let me tell you about Coach Seifert, what Coach Seifert did to me my rookie year. All right. Story tale. So I'm in, I'm in my locker, you know, and I, you weren't here to talk about the whole jersey number thing. So I'm in my locker, and George Seifert taps me on the shoulder. Taps me on the shoulder. I turn around. He says, hey. I drafted you. I went out on limb. Don't fuck this up. Mm. Oh my and God. walks off. Sounds just like him. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Damn. No pressure. Man. Yeah. Right. What was the word they always tried to describe him as? Aloof. I just called him an asshole. Basically, yeah. Yeah. it's a lot easier to roll off my tongue than aloof. So he he he. he so he brings you in and and tells you that, and you pretty much played. The rest of that year, thinking yeah. that you were one play away from being removed, and and actually I was. I mean, the year before two um, thousands when I tore my knee, and I'm I'm pretty sure. Five, I mean, uh, that was Seifert's first year, ninety nine and two thousand. Yep. So ninety nine, we rocked and rolled, man. Burline was hot. I caught twelve touchdowns. Pat Jeffers caught twelve, and we we missed the playoffs. Last game of the season, we had to outscore the Saints by more than Arizona, or the Green Bay outscored Arizona, and we barely missed. We didn't punt. It was a fun game. Uh, but the next year, I tear my knee against Atlanta, um, blow out my ACL, MCL, and on the plane ride back to to Charlotte, short plane ride, he caught somebody came back and said, Coach Seifert wants to talk to you. So I, I, he pulls me up the front of the plane, and he says, man, I'm sorry about this. You were a hell of a football player. I enjoyed coaching you like it was over, right? I said, what are you talking about, man? If, even if it is an ACL, I'm not done. And so came back. Came back to 2001 year. Steve was here. Does that in Minnesota. Won that, won that one game. Uh, and then we just start finding ways to lose games the rest of the season. And this, this man was playing his rear end off. 
uh, getting better every game. Everybody on the team respected him. Uh, and I blew my knee out like the 14th game that season. And I knew that was probably it for me. Uh, and they, But they fired Seaford, and Coach Fox gave me one year before he, he, he said, Wesley, it's time for you to retire. And I love John Fox because when I told him I still wanted to play, he said, go home and think about it for 24 hours and come back. And I came back, and he says, what's the answer? I said, I guess you're going to have to cut me, Coach. And uh, he did, and he rightfully so. And then I became a big Steve Smith and Carolina Panther fan because the next year I, will, I go up to Green Bay and these sun guns go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I love Cut To It, and I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media, too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com, where you can buy merch, and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers questions. Um, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it podcast.com. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the cool things about Wesley, so on Man, we, we had this play, uh, Why Sail, yeah. right? You know, and I'm fresh off. You know, I played at Utah. So when I see a tight end not of color, I'm not thinking he's very fast, <laughs> right? And I'm just being honest. We played Colorado State, Air Force. They wasn't built like Wesley. And so Moosey is telling me, Moosey, hey, listen, when Charlie Walls get out there, you better get out of his way. <laughs> 
because uh, he's expecting that pass. Yeah. Man, I'm like, man, I don't know what y'all talking about this dude. <laughs> man, we call him practice. Why sell? So I'm kind of running. I'm just it's supposed to why sell? Like I'm clearing out for him to hit do a, about a 17 yard deep corner. Yeah. So I go jogging off, and I hear. But get your ass out of the way, Steve. <laughs> move, move. Wesley Walls. And after that, I was like, all right. Yeah. When I hear why I sell, I need to get out of the way. One, the reason I bring that up is, you know, in the locker room, it's the only place where you can see someone, you can see their stature, you can see their color of their skin, you can see where they are geographically, and that means nothing. Nothing at all. So it was pretty cool to see an old man still having and And Wesley, I remember Wesley used to practice in OTAs with like a weight vest on. Yeah. I'm trying to get in shape, man. Keep, keep right? the weight just, on. Just seeing that and just seeing the old school players and how they did things. Right? And I remember when I was, uh, when I was a young kid, my grandpa used to always tell me, if you want to play, you want to make it in football, you know, Jack Tatum, Ronnie Lott, uh, Brett Jones, all these players, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Carl Pickens, Herman Moore. If you want to play this game the right way, watch those players. And Wesley Walls was one of those players, obviously, when I got there, just seeing those guys. And so for me, playing that game and playing it that way, I played it the way the game was played like they played it. And you give me chill bumps right there, Steve. I promise you, man. <clears throat> I miss those days. I, uh, you know, you talk about the locker room and watching watching you become a great player, the with the passion you had on the field. That that kind of motivates. I'm I'm not just saying this because you're so nice to me, but kind of motivates the old guy to sit over and see, man. Look at the, that song. I was pissed off. He's fired up. He's ready to play. He's gonna kick somebody's ass today. It's it's still a it's still a brutal game out there. You're in a fight. And Steve fought 60 minutes every game you played I ever watched, man. Mm. And I had a lot of respect for you, a lot of respect. I got more respect for you. Yeah, man. I, Wesley, I what, what did you see in Steve? It's an interesting dynamic because we just had Jonathan Stewart and Mike Tolbert, and they were around a veteran Steve Smith who they talked about how Steve gave them the life lessons, the marriage, the financial success. But you were with a young Steve Smith. What, what did you see in him at that point? Yeah, I, I, I saw a bunch of talent. I mean, everybody saw that. I saw him work hard, too. I, I don't know if you remember this conversation. You got me thinking now about conversation. We're walking maybe from or to the practice field. And I think you probably were upset. You were you wanted you wanted a new contract your first year, I think. You, you remember maybe it was the second year or something. And they were when they first started doing your contract. And I said, uh, somebody had given me some good advice. I don't know if you remember this or not. I said, look, um, don't worry about the money. You go out and play, be the best you can. All the money will come to you. Mm-hmm. I think I told you that. I hope I did. You, I used you to did. Tell I remember you. that because I was a third-round draft pick, and Winky was a fourth-round draft pick, and they gave him more money than me. <laughs> I like. And then my following year, I made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, that's right. And I, you know, I was I wanted to play wide receiver, and they just were kind of. Um, Marty was the general manager, and at the time, it was actually my first year. I, I didn't. That's when rookies had to come in, and you didn't have to sign it. They were negotiating it. Yeah. And I remember they tried to lowball me, yeah. 
And every year in the contracts, when you get drafted, you basically there's a incentive like 5 or 10% more of the guy that was drafted in the same position of you last year, you get maybe 5 to 10% more. Yeah. They offer me less than what the guy last year got. Yeah. And so I remember sitting there talking to Marty and saying, hey, man, I want to get this deal done. He was like, well, we don't know you're a wide receiver, but you're primarily a returner. And I told him at the time, and I looked at Marty, I said, well, I'm a – any wide receiver you have, I'm going to be better than. So you might as well pay now because if not, you're going to pay more later. Yeah. And Marty looked at me and was like, whatever, kid. <laughs> well, that's the kind of attitude I saw. And, and as a young Steve Smith, he had all this ability. And, and the, the heart is bigger than his ability, too. That was 176 when they drafted him. <laughs> when you see a guy like that, you've seen a lot of rookies come in. You know, you've seen a lot of good. So what was it about Steve where you just said earlier, like, yeah. you know, this – this guy might be something. What, what was it about him? Well, just the way he competed. I mean, you can tell he loved football. I mean, he wanted to be good. He wanted to be the best. And, and then, then go out and do the work also because it just doesn't happen overnight. But, you know, I think the, what I used to think about Steve, I was like, man, this, how can I, I mean, he's so, I mean, I don't. I, he's angry. He plays angry. I wish I could play angry. It seemed like I tried to calm myself. And because if I played fat, real fast, I I couldn't even see hardly sometimes. You know, you ever play so fast, you just like you, you, your eyes don't even open. You see, the ball's in the air, you don't even see it. But Steve was, could play that fast and that angry. And he's got all this ability, and it's just bottled up. And he's got the good had Richard Williamson was coaching yeah, over there. Richard was hard on me, and he was hard on you too. And I know y'all were probably clashing. Uh, we I clashed like, a lot. I bet, I bet, and because uh, he was old school Alabama guy. He told um, me one time. He said, "If you're gonna practice." Uh, you may practice the way you want to, but if you practice like that, you're going to be bagging groceries at the food line. <laughs> I didn't know what a food line was, but bagging groceries. <laughs> I was like, you know, so that's what he told me. And an interesting story, quickly, I remember they had drafted a year before that. We had Moose in, you had Patrick Jeffrey, he had his knee thing, and then we had Donald Hayes. Hayes. When they drafted me, they told me that I think that I was going to be okay and I remember they said hey we'll let you play wide receiver and I remember I was not allowed to play wide receiver they told me I'll play wide receiver but they wouldn't let me all they would do is let me go with the scout team and I was so discouraged and all I did was sit in meetings and be taught they would teach around me they would teach Donald Hayes. They would teach Musin. They would pe- teach Patrick Jeffries. Uh, they would teach all these other guys. Yeah. And I never got taught. I, and so I literally started coming in there with cereal. And I would say, I'm wasting my time here. Y'all not going to play me. Yeah. And so that's how I was treated. And people say, oh, you have a chip on your shoulder. It's not necessarily a chip. I walked in a meeting. I was drafted to play in football, but you, I was told and limited on what I would do. You know how discouraging it is to go to work and someone tells you, you're not good enough, so we're not even going to give you a chance. Yeah, especially you. (laughs) Right? But it's not even me as the football players, me as little Steve-On, little Steve as a kid, as a 22-year-old young man, to go to work every day knowing you're not going to get an opportunity. We're one in ten you will not get an opportunity. We're 1 in 11. You will not get an opportunity. 1 in 13, 1 in 14, 1 in 15. 
and then one in 15, I get to play. And they tell me, hey, you're going to start, Steve, against the New England Patriots. But Patrick Jeffries is going to run out the tunnel. Hey, man. I didn't know all this was going on. <laughs> I swear. And so for me, in my life dream, is still every little chance it gets where it's a little bit of, yay, boop. So it was, even though I was playing my dream, it was just that little small token of, when am I going to get pinched? And the reality of, the truth is, bro, you're not very good. You're not good enough. Yeah. And these are people who drafted me. I put my name in a hat. Y'all said, hey, you're good enough, or what I thought I was good enough to be here. But ultimately, it wasn't. You know, looking back, Steve, maybe that, that kickoff return, the first time you touched it, may have kind of compartmentalized your ability. That's all they were thinking. Maybe they're just like, hey, we're just going to use him to return her. I didn't know you were going through that that year. I, I'm, I'm even more impressed that you're able to keep it together because nobody likes to be told they're not good enough. Nobody likes to be feel like you work your butt off and nobody's paying attention, and, uh, and so I, I give you credit for doing that. But at the next year, 2002, uh, I can't even remember what happened that year. Uh, I mean, uh, that was my last year as a Panther, and then the next year you do what you did and the team did what they did to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That that's vindication. That's uh, well. Now that I look at it, it's not. For me, it wasn't vindication. It was just more of sometimes when people say you have that chip. It's not a chip, man. It's just literally dealing with, like, oh, you got that chip or it's a boulder. If, if, if a guy who, if a team does all the research and drafts you and brings you in and then says, hey, go sit on over there, that's not a chip. You're literally discouraged. Yeah. You really, you literally feel that this team does not believe in you. Yeah. And so you start to really ask yourself, like, man, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Because you. you don't know which part is true. Do they really like you? Or are they really just, they made a mistake and they just don't want to say they made a mistake? Yeah. That's, nobody wants to go through that. Yeah. The point is, there is so much responsibility deemed and put on the players, but there are very little accountability on coaches. Good point. Like nobody says, oh, this coach is overwhelmed or this coach is inadequate or not very good. They just get rid of the players first. Mm -hmm. They'll get rid of a player, tank his career, and then realize two years later, well, it was the coach. But there was no reparation for the player that was – put in a bad situation or an awful scheme. Yeah. I mean, we got Muggsy Bowles right there, and you, no offense to Muggsy, you, got, you can't put Muggsy at center and expect him to block everybody's shot yeah. and then all of a sudden say, oh, Muggsy can't play. What about if he's put in a wrong position? But then the player gets deemed dumb, inadequate, not smart, And then, then you find out a couple of years later, oh, man, that coach wasn't very good. Yeah. And nothing nothing even gets Nothing happens. Nothing Actually, happens. that coach becomes a coordinator 
<laughs> for another team and then does well and then goes to another team and becomes another coach. That's a fraternity for sure, those Absolutely. coaches. Yeah. Muggsy over there. I th- I, so you really were looking at Muggsy Bowles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Muggsy Bowles right now. <laughs> <laughs> like he was in this movie Space Jam and everything. It was cool. I know Muggsy. Back in the day, <laughs> you know, man. Good to see you, Muggsy. Because he kind of did play Santa in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the movie. That was good. Well, good. Good to talk to you guys. Good to be here and uh, be part of this event tonight, Steve. And you're a good man for putting this on. And I appreciate looking it. Looking forward to a good evening. Man, Wesley, thanks, you. Wesley. Thank you, you very much. It. Wesley Walls, everybody. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith, Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It with Steve Smith, Sr. That is me is a production of Cut To It, LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team. Wesley Robinson and John Show from Balto Creative Media. Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter, with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht, production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson, lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.